today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. And today, friends, today all it takes to be rescued, to be transferred from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Not to try to clean yourself up or do enough good stuff that, that Christ will bring you onto his army. No, accepting the grace of God in the cross of Christ that, that he died in your place and you accept it and believe it and choose to follow him. You today can be transferred. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Pastor Ricky reminds us today that we're called to fight in a war. Although we easily get caught up in the daily details of life, much bigger things are going on all around us. He says evil forces are constantly striving after you. Due to sin, we're actually part of this dark kingdom. The good news is you don't have to stay there and it's easy to transfer. The only thing you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died on the cross for you. Choose to follow Jesus today. Now here's Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 with part one of his message entitled Spiritual Warfare in Christ. Ephesians chapter 6. And so we're going to look at this last section and see how it fits in with the book of Ephesians. So read with me Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. This is God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of grace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The main thing I'm hoping to communicate today is this, that in Christ... As we've been talking about for weeks and months in Christ, we are, this passage says, victorious, so we fight. Because we are victorious in Christ, we're called to fight. And we're going to cover this in three sections. The first section is that in Christ, we are called to war. Paul says in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And so you think, okay, that, that's, that's a fitting conclusion, Paul. Let's right, let's be strong. But then he goes on to tell us why we need to be strong. And all of a sudden, he says, put on the whole armor of God. And you're thinking, okay, where's this armor coming from? Why did we suddenly get into warfare metaphors that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil? And then he describes, it's almost like we've been zoomed in on our lives and on our marriages and on our parenting and, and on our workplaces. And Paul says, let's 
zoom way out and you begin to see these two massive armies clashing. And this is why he says we are called to war. Paul is almost peeling back the curtain and says, look, you are part of a cosmic struggle. And the struggle that defines our life and defines the universe is not, he says, flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We have to remember as Christians that there are bigger stakes than the next election. There are bigger stakes than what happens in a particular denomination. There are bigger stakes than whether El Paso County raises property taxes yet again. There are bigger stakes than whether they finish the ballpark on time than whether our company folds and whether we get redeployed. There are bigger stakes going on, Paul says, because our enemies aren't people. They are evil cosmic powers. And and scripture reveals that before God created humanity and the world, he created the angels. And some of these angels, including their leader Satan or the devil, rebelled against God and now they violently oppose God. I'm going to read you what commentator P.T. O'Brien says about these evil forces. He writes, and I think we have this quote available for you, Satan and his hosts exist for the purpose of bringing their evil and destructive influences to bear on the world and humanity, listen, at every level. The evil one works through the events of history, including, and then many scripture references here, including a visit hindered by him, the circumstances surrounding Job's life, the casting of believers into prison, the inherent distresses of life, and illness which is occasionally due to their demonic activity, while Christian teachers and their instruction are the subject of attack and distortion by these principalities and powers. Heresy is assigned to their activity in some places. While according to Colossians 2, the elemental spirits of the universe made use of the legal demands of the false teachers in order to bring Christians into bondage. So they're even using what seems like Christian teaching. Social, political, judicial, and economic structures can be used by Satan and his evil authorities to serve their malevolent ends. So here's the picture I want you to understand is that Our opposition by, and and the opposition to God by these evil forces is not sporadic, it's not occasional, it's not every once in a while, it is a constant, concerted rebellion on every level of our human existence by these evil forces. And so with everything in them, Satan and those who follow him oppose God and his goodness and his justice and his rule. But here's what's amazing about this passage and this call to war. If we were to look and to zoom in on this dark army arrayed behind Satan, Colossians 1 says we were once part of this kingdom of darkness. Paul says that we were dead in our sins in Ephesians 2, but we were both dead and part of a kingdom. We were an army of the undead marching against God, ruled and controlled by evil forces. And God himself was arrayed against them. And there was a time which, before we were Christians, God was arrayed against us. If there are two opposing camps, we were in the other camp. And the sword of God's wrath and his punishment was leveled against us for our participation with these evil forces. And yet, 
by the end of Ephesians, something amazing has taken place. Ephesians 2 says that though we were once dead, we have been made alive by Christ Jesus. Colossians says that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It is though Christ has launched himself on a rescue mission into the evil forces and, and opened our eyes and brought life to our hearts and transferred us to his army. And to do this, Christ died in our place. He died the traitor's death that we deserved so that we could be cleared and rescued and reborn. Friends, this is what has happened to us if we are in Christ. It is amazing that we are called to war on the side of Christ when due to our own selfish, sinful desires, we should be opposed to Christ with God himself bearing down on us. This call is all of grace. The fact that we are lining up behind Christ now is all of grace. And friends, let me, let me tell you this. If you are not a Christian today, you are in a precarious position. You find yourself suddenly and maybe surprisingly arrayed on the wrong side of the battlefield. And yet, with each of our sins, we reaffirm our commitment to serve our evil masters and to rebel against God himself. And yet, there is a way to be saved. There is a way that the Spirit of Christ could bring you to your senses, even as you march with the opposing army against God. And today, friends, today all it takes to be rescued, to be transferred from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Not to try to clean yourself up or do a good, enough good stuff that, that Christ will bring you onto his army. No, accepting the grace of God in the cross of Christ that, that he died in your place and you accept it and believe it and choose to follow him. You today can be transferred. And if you are a Christian, well, here is the good news. You are on, because of Christ, you are on the winning side. But Paul says, Everything in this world that opposes Christ now opposes you. You think the devil is excited that you switched teams? That Christ brought you from his evil army to the Lord's army? Do you think the world is excited that you're on the side of Christ? Now, no, everything that hates Christ now hates us who are in Christ. And so Paul says, you are staring at serious opposition. And this struggle isn't just this, oh, it goes on above us somewhere. This word for uh, struggle or a wrestle, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Dr. O'Brien, who I quoted earlier, says that what's in view here is not firing missiles from a distance, but hand-to-hand combat. As any soldier would tell you, there's a difference between piloting a drone and clearing houses in urban warfare where you're kicking down doors and you're never sure what's around the corner. It's different from sitting behind a console miles away from the battlefield. Paul says we are, we find ourselves in is a wrestle, a struggle against these powers. And so what, what does he charge us to do? He, he uses action words, be strong. He says, put on this armor. He says, take up this. He says, stand firm. He says, the force of this passage is Open your eyes to the struggle around you and be vigilant. Stand firm. Be strong. We're called to action. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, but so often I drift into just inaction. I forget how much is at stake in the world around me. 
I get caught up in my day-to-day life of, oh, I slept in too much, or I didn't set my alarm right, or this person's being annoying, or I'm having a conflict with somebody I have to resolve, or my uh, taxes are due, and that's the level we live on. And Paul says, no, 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 step back and see that you, your life takes constant vigilance because enemies are approaching constantly, every day, in every way. So here's the question for us. Are we awake? Are we alert? Do we hear the call to war? Do we see that we're on the battlefield? This is what Paul is trying to get us to do in these last pages of Ephesians. Now notice a couple things here before we move on about our role as Christians. Paul prescribes awareness of this struggle, not an unhealthy preoccupation with the struggle. So sometimes Christians can get so into sort of this spiritual warfare stuff that that it becomes the preoccupation of their Christian lives. That that's sort of all they read books on and all they get into and all the DVDs and YouTube videos they get into are all about this stuff. And Paul, yes, he addresses it, but it is a section in a broader book of Ephesians. And that's the pattern of his writings. He doesn't devote whole books to spiritual warfare. Personally, I'd like to know a lot more about, like, how do we get in there and fight? And what does this look like? And we're going to get into some of that, but I just want more. So Paul gives us what the Spirit of Christ gave him for us. and, And he prescribes awareness, not preoccupation. Notice also that, as we're going to see, Paul's remedies for spiritual warfare look a lot like the remedies for our fight against sin and the everyday struggle to trust God in a fallen world. He's going to tell us, how do you fight spiritual warfare? Okay, give us, give us like this, this weird chant, you know, or some, some clothing or something that we're supposed to wear. And Paul just says, no, no, here's how you fight spiritually. You know your Bible. You call to mind the promises of God. You have faith. I mean, it just seems like, well, that's the normal stuff we already have to do. Don't we get anything new? Well, Spiritual warfare looks a lot like fighting our own sin. It looks a lot like trusting God. It looks a lot like being part of a church. It looks a lot like the normal, everyday stuff of Christianity. But, but Paul wants us to see that these things have eternal and powerful implications. Paul also never tells us how to definitively judge the source of every problem or what every type of opposition looks like. I just read a big list where different things are attributed to spiritual warfare. This happening because the Satan opposed them, or you know, this person's taken ill because Satan did this to them in Job's case. And, and a lot of times, sometimes in our lives, we try to get in and parse out exactly, okay, so, so you know, I owe extra money in taxes. Is that the enemy or I'm not feeling well, and I was going to try to evangelize my friend today. And so is that, was that Satan? Is he, you know, and, and I would like to know, but Paul actually, surprisingly, doesn't get into, well, here's how you know, and here's how you don't know. Because here's the, here's the thing. If you're not feeling well, and you still got to go evangelize your friend, the solution in spiritual warfare terms is to trust God, to believe, to ask for his help, to pray against the work of the enemy, and to go forward and tell them, and if Satan's not behind it and you're just sick and it's just part of a fallen world, then you do the same thing, right? So in many ways, we're called to, this call to spiritual warfare is simply a call to take up the things that Paul has already been telling us to do because they have huge eternal warfare implication. So that's point number one. In Christ, we are called to war. But second, we see that in Christ, we are strong in war. Paul says, finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now notice that Paul does not say, finally, be strong, psych yourself up, 
You better come up with some source of power, Christian, because you're going to need it, and this is kind of on you. So I really hope, I, I mean, I, good luck. No, what does he say? He says, be strong in the Lord. And I love Paul because he knows we never get it the first time he says it. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whose strength is it? It's his strength. Now, Paul has already used this phrase, in his uh, great might, or the strength of his might, in chapter 1. Chapter 1, he says, when he's talking about the the riches of grace in Christ, he says, um, he, he refers to the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, there's that phrase again, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So his great might, Paul's call to be strong in his great might, refers to Christ rising from the dead and being seated above all earthly and heavenly powers. Paul says, in that might, in his might. Remember the guy who beat death? Remember the guy who sits enthroned above all earthly powers? Yeah, his might. You be strong in his might. Now, because we are in Christ, and because Christ is who he is, seated above all rule and authority, and because Colossians 2 tells us that Christ disarmed the rulers referred to here, put them to open shame by triumphing over them on the cross. Because all that is true, the outcome of the battle is not in question. See, sometimes Christians make the mistake of thinking about spiritual warfare as if it's a good side and a bad side, the light and the dark, and you know, all these movies. The whole time in the movie, you know, one of these movies or books you read, the light and the dark, you know, the forces of good and the forces of evil, and they're locked in this struggle, and you're like, oh man, I don't know who's gonna win, who's gonna win? And you know, and it's real postmodern. Sometimes they have the bad guys win. It's like, oh, the bad guys won. I think about that, you know, like, and so we, or, so we put it on that level of it's the good and bad, good and bad. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Paul is letting us know, yeah, it's not like we're watching this movie guessing, oh, is Jesus going to prevail? It's not. Because Satan opposing Christ is like a wind-up toy opposing an army ranger. The wind-up toy may move a little bit, but he's not going to do much, right? Satan does have, I want to state this clearly, real power. And he affects great hurt. And yet, the power of Christ is so infinitely above the power of Satan and his combined evil forces that it's not even worth comparing. We have to get a picture. Now, see, one of the problems, though, when we think about this is we think of Jesus primarily in in sort of a, as Kevin DeYoung says, a Bono with a bathrobe sort of persona where he's this social do-gooder that kind of goes around. He wears white. He's got kind of long hair. He's kind of hippie-ish and just tells people to love one another. does a miracle here. does a miracle there. And we don't think that guy is going to lead us into battle. So we think Satan is real. He's roaring like a lion. And we've got a guy in a bathrobe. This isn't good. So scripture gives us other pictures of Christ because Christ's character is multifaceted. And here is a side of Christ that we don't often see in Isaiah 59. It says this, the Lord saw evil, this evil, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. 
Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render repayment so that they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun for he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives and a redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression declares the Lord. See, often we focus on Jesus as he lived on the earth, and we should see that. We often focus on the death of Christ and all it accomplished, and we should see that and thank God for that. But we must not forget the resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ. When Christ rose from the dead... He took everything that Satan and his evil forces could throw at him and he bursts back onto the battlefield in the resurrection. He wrestled with, Scripture says, the greatest of all enemies, death itself. So it is though Satan threw all of his forces, everything he could, all worldly powers, even death itself, and Christ himself vanquishes them, bursts to life, and goes, what else do you have? There is nothing else. And so he disarms the earthly powers. They know that their end is sure. Because if Christ did that, what can they do? And yet they rage, they rage against him, but scripture says that one day he will return in power and thunder. Friends, when we think about spiritual warfare, when we think about being opposed, when we think about even the various hurts and struggles of our lives, let us never forget that Paul is charging us to be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might. And as we lean in dependence on him, there is nothing, there is no enemy that Christ cannot take. A pastor named Jeff Perswell says this about this verse. He writes, here's what's glorious about this command to be strong in the Lord. The very command to be strong is at the same time a promise that strength is available. Because of what Christ accomplished, this inexplicable grace, we are joined to him. And those benefits become ours. Therefore, there is no trial greater than your ability to withstand. There is no temptation greater than your ability to resist. There is no intractable circumstance greater than your ability to navigate or persevere. He says, be strong because there is strength. So our part is to be made strong. This, this command actually to be strong in the Lord, it's actually better translated to, to be made strong. Actually, we're passive in this and we allow ourselves to be made strong by the strength of the Lord. So our part and where we find our power is to utterly depend on Christ. And we're going to look at what it means to put on the armor of Christ, but the key factor is That in putting on the armor of Christ, we are acknowledging that we need help and we need strength and we need to be made strong.
It's a question for the ages, and sadly, existentialism has crept into the body of Christ. So where can we find the answer to these sorts of questions? Thankfully, our identity in Christ is clear in the scriptures. Pastor Ricky will explore this topic as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Elcantad of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to a computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number here at the church is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study and fellowship and even prayer. For more information, including driving directions, log on to betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The music that you hear each day on Better News Radio was provided by Sovereign Grace Music. We invite you to visit their website, SovereignGraceMusic.org. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series entitled, Who Am I? from the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Better News Radio. Better News Radio.